you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Shilane Chan from the amazing named company, Brilliant and Human. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. Fantastic, fantastic. Shilane, there's still people in the world who doesn't know who you are. Would you mind doing a quick introduction? Um, so, uh, uh, my name's Shilane Chan, and I work with Brilliant and Human, and we work on... Um, the businesses, small businesses, and we look at how their customers and their people and their technology work together. So we very much look at the whole interface with those three elements. And I am responsible for the inside of the businesses and um, how people work better together within those teams. Um, my career has uh, been predominantly in technology. I've got quite a potted history and quite a, a varied um, approach to my career. Um, I go from fashion to retail, um, accountancy software, and then I did uh, quite a large majority um, part of my career with uh, a big company that um, you may know and love or not and um, I left there about six years ago to work with small businesses and apply some of the growth approach uh, to those businesses that I did um, in my corporate career. Um, I worked with consultancy um, businesses who have field engineers and a lot of people who work remotely so I've got about 16 years of, of building and managing remote and virtual teams and my specialty is customer service. Excellent. That sounds good. That sounds good. How do you generally think management? Like when, when if you have to walk into a new team or if you're walking into talk to a client, like what's sort of your mindset or what's sort of your philosophy around management? Um, so my main philosophy is everyone should be allowed to bring themselves um, and be themselves. And I think the biggest struggle we have predominantly is people trying to be someone they're not and also um, to some degree not bringing their personal lives to their work uh, and I know um, in my history I used to compartmentalize my life and so my work life was at work and my personal life was at home um, and I realized that as soon as you open up to people they open up to you so when you're managing people you are their carer their you know, you have to care about them and you have to give them the best tools to work well. And some people can get on and kind of, yep, fine. I don't need the, the chat. But I had a, a couple of people in my team very early on who really needed that social element, that hi, how are you? Um, and really needed to understand me as a person before they would then open up as a person and I could get the best from them. And that was a bit of a baptism of fire. Um, and uh, I had um, some struggles with actually sharing a lot of personal things with this person. But as soon as we opened up that personal relationship, it was just amazing. The difference was amazing. And so I realized that I can't be one-sided. I can't put one facet in front of people and expect them to deal with me um, in, in a way that is personal and um, and vulnerable, which when you're uh, managing people, sometimes you have to deal with the good and the bad. Um, and so 
you want them to be honest with you. You want them to be as open as they can be with you. And that comes from you having to do that to them. And um, so that was one of the things was bring your whole self. And then the second one is you can't manage in a style that doesn't work for you. So, you know, I think we've all been through some kind of training and they kind of feed this, this not quite one size fits all, but these frameworks, these approaches and you try and do it and you, you just, uh, <laughs> it's just not natural. Um, and people very much, if, if you're not being yourself, people can identify something that you just feels a bit off. And I realize that actually there are ways you can completely bring yourself, be open and honest and your team can't expect something that you can't give. So sometimes it's a case of, this is how I am. This is how you are, right? We've got a gap here. How do we fill that gap? And it may not be with you. It may be with someone else. And so it's identifying what you can do for your people, but then also making sure that you have support in the other areas that perhaps aren't you. And um, I think that's the thing is you're there to remove challenges, not uh, build a wall. And so I think, by being vulnerable and being open, you get a lot better out of people than trying to be something that you're not. Yeah, I love it. I, I mean, I, my philosophy is, is very similar. And I think uh, most people that ever work with me definitely like this thing with building relationship with people is probably the single most important thing. Like actually, it, it's not just sharing, but obviously different people are different. As you say, some people you have to share for them to share. Mm. Um, but I also like, I also really agree in terms of like, you know, people are different. What I always tell people, what one of the common things that a lot of my clients is, is telling me is like, oh, you know, I can't be friends with my staff if I'm their boss. And I, I always mm. ask them the same thing, which is like, are you comfortable with being friends with them or not? Because I can, I can totally see what they mean, but it depends actually more on your personality mm. than on anything else. Because if you're comfortable being someone's, quote, friend, and at the same time, actually pushing them the right way, giving them the feedback needed, uh, making sure they perform, then it is not an issue. Mm. Now, if you being a friend with them means that you can't do that effectively, yes, then it makes sense. But there's a big difference between building relationship and, you know, sharing a bit of who you are yeah. and then being friends with someone. I mean, hanging out at a barbecue and, you know, on Sunday night with someone, that's very different than actually sharing who you are as a person mm. and so on in the actual workplace, right? Mm. So I, I think, yeah, I, I totally agree with your approach and I, I really love the way you, you look at it. And particularly the last thing you say, I mean, I think so many people are trying to be something they're not. Mm. right like when you look at it overall people look up to these people like i mean elon musk and all these big famous people that you know if you're like them their style will work somewhat for you but the whole point is most people are not and if you're trying to mimic someone even if you have a great boss that you really adore if that person have a very different behavior from you if you're trying to mimic what they're doing, you won't succeed, right? As a leader and as a manager, the, the most important thing is always figure out how can you utilize your strength? How can you take the best of you and utilize that to get the most out of your team, right? And really getting to know yourself and particularly your strengths and weaknesses is really the, probably the number one key for becoming a great manager, I think. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Right. So, and, and yeah, I mean, everyone have their own approach, right? Everyone sort of do things differently. What's, what, what's sort of your, let's call it management system, if we will. I haven't talked to people about that for a while. So again, if you, if you manage a team, if you have to move into a new team, like what's a typical sort of routine or what's a typical system that we, you will use from a management standpoint? So this is something I did, um, again, kind of going back to, to trying to understand when you go entry level people management, you're kind of dumped into it, really. And I think everyone's a, a bad people manager. You just improve um, with practice. Uh, a lot of these things can't necessarily be learned and you and you're definitely improve from making mistakes. And um, going back to a couple of members of my team, um, I've been working virtually for a very long time and I was able to um, have... Uh, IM and, and, and some of these remote tools quite early on working in a, in a large technology company. And I am very much come ask a question, go away. It's like, I don't need all the other stuff. And I've got quite a, a quick typing style. And I'd have this one on my team and they type, they'd be like, hi, and they type it really slowly. And then they'd wait for an answer and have to go, hi, and they'd be like, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? And it would just be this kind of like, just ask me the question. And I'd have these little frustrations around um, and because you don't see them those frustrations can can become very big very quickly and what I did was I realized okay everyone has their own communication style and so um, and because we were all around the world and in different situations different people had different um, approaches they were in different places they had different challenges and what we did was I thought actually people are moaning about each other because they can't see each other so let's uh, had the opportunity to get everyone in a room and what I wanted everyone to do is if you want to get the best from me how do you do it so um, how best to communicate with me and what are my challenges so um, what is my setup where I am so what what's my desk look like what situation am I dealing with and where I was in my office I had a couple of team uh, of a team there and we were we had many buildings so we were very far away from the people that we interacted with on a daily basis and they'd never come sit at our desk but one of my team was sat um in the same room as all the people that we dealt with and they would come and sit on her desk and kind of lean over her and ask her. and all of these things i knew but my team didn't necessarily know so what we did was we everyone had a slide this is me this is how i work this is how to get the best from me and it was absolutely amazing. It was the most profound thing I've ever done, watching everyone go around the room, display their slides, and then that like, oh, right. Oh, I see. That's why when this happens, that kind of look of on your face, or when that happens, I get a really quick and sharp response. And um, so I did that with every team member. So as we grew, every team member had their own kind of slide deck. And it wasn't until I left that I realized how important it was to build rapport very quickly. And you've probably seen it on the web. Uh, there's lots of different things. And so I have a user manual. Um, they're called readme files, blueprints. There's, there's quite a few leaders across, um, across the world now that use it. And you can go and if you type in user manual, you'll get lots of, of hints and tips. I absolutely love it. And, and what I do is I write, um, a bit about me and how I am. I'm quite Marmite. I'm very direct, can be kind of honest to the point of tactlessness. Sarcasm and humor 
is a constant in my language. So I can offend people very quickly. So that's right at the top of my user manual, but it looks at how best to communicate with me, what my values are, what frustrates me. And um, I use this with, with teams I go into. I use it as a way of, I've done it with dysfunctional teams um, and I've done it with teams that are being built and really understanding who you're going to see. And, and the thing that I've noticed is even if you don't have an active approach to building a team in any form, there is a theme that runs through most teams that have been working together a little while. And, that's what you pull on. You say, look, these little things here, this is that red thread that connects you all together. This is the shared value. This is the shared approach. And this is the thing that holds you together and keeps you working together. And there's a lot of differences, but even when people I meet for the first time have read, have read it, they're like, oh yeah, that really resonated with me. And you get this chance to find that bizarre similarity that you both have that isn't Oh, do you like cats? You know, it's, it, it's a real conversation starter, but it basically takes away all of that stuff that we find just really hard to ask each other. It's like, how, how can I get the best from you? How, how do you like to work? How do you like to be called? When do you do your best work? All of these things, we don't ask each other these things. We kind of feel like we should learn it through osmosis and then wonder why we're slightly irritated by people when we haven't learned it. And this gives it all out. No, it's not personal. If, if someone's rude to you because you've done something, it's not personal. It's because that's they're reacting at a, their immediate point without thinking. And it just takes all that personal, oh, have I done something to upset you? No, I, you did this and this is how I react. Um, and I find it going back to your point of the best part of leadership is self-awareness and being yourself. It gives you that opener to say, this is me. These are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. This is how I communicate. These are my values. Whatever approach you want in, in that user manual, it gives you the chance to say, this is who I am and this is who you are. And the key thing, I think, with people management is actually your people shouldn't, tr they, they shouldn't necessarily want to get the best from you. That, that's not their job. Um, they probably will because most humans go, I want to do something that's not going to piss someone else off. But what it does allow you is, as a people manager, you go to where that person is. So if that person needs the, hi, how are you? How's your family? To warm them up, that's what you do as a people manager. It's your responsibility to meet your people where they are. And by doing that approach allows you to treat them so that they're comfortable and they open up to you and they provide you with whatever you need to help them do their job. And that's the key. It's, it's a tool that helps you manage the people where they are and not necessarily to beat them with a stick and say, treat me this way. You must treat me this way. Otherwise I'll be mean. And, and I think that's the thing is, and it's, um, it can be as full or as empty as you like it. It can be really kind of high level, not very personal, or you can go really deep and personal with it. And um, I love it as an approach. I've seen it work so well in so many companies and people, it's relatively straightforward to do. You know what annoys you, you know what frustrates you, you know how you work best. It's all you need to do. Um, and yeah, it's the best tool I've used. And I use it for recruitment. I use it for building teams. I use it for bringing teams together. Um, I use it personally just so when people meet me, they know a little bit about me. And it just cuts out that massive, possibly six months worth of trying to get to know people. Um, it takes you to the next level very quickly.
Yeah, I love it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fan of a framework called DISC. Not sure if oh, you're yeah. familiar with it, uh, but but uh, that is exactly what I get out of DISC, right? So one of, one of the things that I've found is some people sometimes people don't know themselves very well. Mm. So for example, you know, some people don't actually know upfront do they prefer writing or do they prefer talking or like what's the preferred communication style and so some people don't know. But I, I've used DISC framework a lot to help people understand that uh, specifically about themselves and like basically getting to know themselves better. But I really like this idea. I've, I've actually never heard anyone sort of take this to, to the end degree. And I really like it, particularly with remote teams. I mean, when you're in an office, there's definitely, there's, there's left, it's less secretive who you are and so on, because you, you do bring yourself. Um, but, but particularly with remote teams, particularly if they're sitting in different parts of the world and stuff, it, I, I can totally see how, how this would be super, super valuable. So I think that's something that's definitely super valuable for the audience to, to try out. So yeah. that sounds awesome. Thank you. I, I'd uh, say that the, one of the things to answer that question of, of people not knowing themselves, the question I always ask is what makes you angry and what frustrates you? And what's the worst thing that can happen if you're mid middle of something really important that you're working on? what's the worst thing that can happen that someone can kind of contact you? How would they contact you? And those things really generate, actually, I prefer phone calls or I prefer writing. Um, but what makes you angry is, is a really good thing to the flip side of that is what's going to get the best out of you because it really feeds on that, that fundamental um, visceral part of you. So that's a question I start with actually when, when building these for, with people. It, it reminds me actually about a manager I had at one point that, he said, I have an open door policy, but I don't like talking. So send me an email. That was basically, and, and on his door, he literally had a big sign saying, please send me an email. So that, that was his way of kind of communicating to people how he liked to be communicated to. I'm not sure it was particularly effective with his staff, but uh, he was definitely making it clear. Yes. So. Right, that's that's really cool. I, I love that tip. I think that's uh, that's really good. Um, when you're in a team, uh, very very frequently, particularly in these remote teams, it can be a little bit difficult, sort of figuring out how to get the most out of your staff. Any any particular inspiration or good techniques or so on that you use personally to to try and really get the most from a performance standpoint out of people. Um, so I think a couple of things is really knowing their challenges. Um, and I would say that you should be having regular check-ins with your team on a weekly basis, certainly when you're remote, because you don't have those, um, hi, how are you at the coffee machine moments? Um, so you have to be really intentional with those touch points. And it, it can feel really fake and really pointless because you think, oh, you know, if they have a problem there, call me. They won't. If they have a problem, they don't necessarily, they're like, oh, it's a bad time, I'm not sure, or it will move. So um, ultimately, depending on your responsibilities as a people manager, and depending on how big your team is, you should definitely be having 15 minutes with every member of your team in a week. If you can do it daily, brilliant. Um, and that's less realistic. But the check-in should not be about you going, so what have you got on your list? It should be like, what's happening? What are your challenges? How are you doing? And I think definitely with remote teams, it's really understanding the setup. So get the camera on, see where they are, 
ask them who they sit next to you know if, if, if it's remote working in the shared office who do they sit next to what are their challenges um, if you can visit them obviously in this current situation that's a bit more tricky but really understanding who have they got in their office who's in their home what responsibilities they have so get to know them on a, on a kind of logistical level of, of, of the life they have and, and what their responsibilities are and then make sure that you ask them about certain things like that has anything changed you know take photos of your office or anything like that but the check-ins are really what's happening with you how's it going is there anything I can help with is there any issues I can take away and having a clear kind of set of questions that just guides them um, to give you their challenges and it's not about you going right I want you to do this this and this and then off the phone it's like, okay what's going on in your world what's sitting on your plate um, who's doing what with you how are you helping other people what's going on and I also encourage like a daily I would say take it from the agile approach a daily stand up with your team and it doesn't have to be long but it has to be um, everyone comes together they don't have to come together but they hopefully will want to it's not work related but it really is a case of hi how are you doing what's going on in your world um, is there any challenges the team can help with what's you know kind of just a little coffee um, depending on how big your team is that might go for an hour everyone grabs a coffee comes in says hi talks about personal stuff no work talks about personal things work tends to pepper in because that's their common theme but there's not an agenda of this is work there's an agenda of going around the, the um, call seeing how everyone is seeing what's changed I like to start every call with um, good news it's like is there some good news because sometimes certainly in the current climate it can be quite hard and so just pick up the just give a positive but there's other uh, approaches which is kind of like a temperature check how do you feel you know a one word what's going on in your world one word coming into the call one word going out of the call and you can often notice that they come in kind of mm, I'm tired they go out energized or um, you know happy and so you see that just that how that connection goes from oh I've got to be on a call with all my colleagues to I've made a connection we've chatted I feel so much more energetic I feel a bit more um, focused on what I've got to do the other things with remote work is people actually need to go and do the work that they're doing and so really give people a very set amount of time where they can go and do the work that you're asking them to do um, and so I have an approach where I look at um, everyone's energy through through the week and see if you can pick up times where some people focus say that for me my focus time is Monday morning first thing I get loads done um, so don't schedule meetings then but do put them in dotted around the week that works for everyone so bring everyone together and say okay we've got to set a schedule for the meetings how does this work best um, and so you've got your individual check-ins with everyone and then you've got a team I call it a rhythm of business but a team approach and if you have to compromise you know why you're compromising because you can say well I've got to do it at two o'clock on a Monday because John over here that's the only time he can do but on a Wednesday he compromises for me and we do it at a different time and so because you can't please everybody all the time but what you can do is make people understand that they're making a compromise for a reasonable um, situation for someone else and as soon as you start doing that a lot of these things get hidden and people kind of don't know the reasons why calls are at a certain time as soon as you're a bit more open people go oh yeah 
brilliant because we know that no one comes to work going, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just annoy everyone and do a really bad job. Everyone comes to work every day hoping to do a great job and really help their team. What ends up happening is the latter, is, is the former. And as soon as you start saying, okay, how can we work best together? What works for you? What doesn't work for you? Okay, how can we make compromises? People kind of go, okay, I know why I'm here. I know what I'm doing and I know who can help me. And um, you just have to be much more intentional and much more planned with your activities when you're working remotely. Because going back to your, you know, the shorthand of being in person, it just hides a lot of dysfunction because you're in person, everyone's laughing. You know, you've got to be really intentional and planned when you're doing things remotely and making sure that everyone understands where they're making compromises and where you're accommodating them. Yeah, that makes total sense. And definitely your framework is, is somewhat similar to mine. So I, I always tell all my clients to do like a half hour one-to-one with every single person that reports to them mm. every week. Right. So, and exactly for the same point, like basically the first, the first part of that time is literally just for the staff member to talk about whatever they like. Right. And exactly for that reason, uh, it basically get you to know them better, but it's also, I mean, they can also ask you stuff. Right. But it's really getting that sort of personal level into the game. is just such a game changer. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I, I, again, I really like the way, I mean, we, a lot of time, I think for a lot of clients, stand-ups is often a little bit difficult, but uh, but definitely it, it totally makes sense to try and get so much as much sort of team collaboration in as you can, right? Um, but many many of the clients that I work with, you know, they have people working around the clock and it can sometimes be very difficult for them to to, to schedule a lot of time together. But uh, But yeah, that makes total sense. I like that. And, and with the global, because uh, I've done global work as well, is, is having maybe even just once a month. And again, people know that in, in different time zones, one month you're getting up early, one month you're staying up late um, to, yeah. to accommodate that. And we actually did quite a nice little, um, not in person, but little written notes. So we do follow the sun and at the end of the day, we'd write a little note. And, and they got really friendly. And, and actually you enjoyed receiving them in the morning and in the evening, they'd be like, you know, and, and so you can actually do it without getting on a call. Um, but it, it takes that effort for people to start getting comfortable writing some of this stuff down. But there are different approaches um, that can work when, when, you're, when you're dealing with follow the sun or people at the other side of the world. Um, but again, have the whole team talk about it and come up with a suggestion and teams are great at coming up with ways and approaches that they enjoy um, to yeah. keep, to keep that team um, collaboration going. So, yeah. Totally agree. And uh, I've also had a few clients recently that have, uh, that, I mean, a lot of my clients like doing physical retreats. So they bring everyone mm. together like once or twice a year or so. Um, but now with COVID, a, a few of them have started doing it sort of, you know, take out half a day or a whole day sometimes to get different people presenting different things and so on, which have worked really well. And a lot of them is looking to actually do more of that even outside the COVID, just because it is it, it is an opportunity to get people to work together better and so on, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, and that's the thing is when you can meet, it's really meet for social reasons rather than business reasons. And it the team will just come together even more so yeah it's a shame right now but yeah see how that goes in the remote world 
someday, some way. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, uh, that's really excellent. And um, yeah, I, I think that's good. I think that's good, Shalene. In terms of sort of biggest challenges that your clients have, what, what are sort of often the, the sort of biggest things that your clients struggle with? I think the main thing is, uh, is a combination of sort of delegating, whether that's um, the responsibility of a business owner passing on. There's a, there's a lot of trust that goes going, I'm doing this. I need to pass it on to someone else because I'm too busy. And I think there's a lot of uh, business owners that will kind of go, yeah, but they just know what they're doing. And it's, and actually the people don't all the time. They haven't been passed something on properly and said, right, this is what I need you to do. And this is the goal or the outcome I'm looking for. Um, and with business owners can be very busy. You feel like delegation should be, I'm passing something on so I should have more time. But there's a spike in busyness where there's two people doing the same work and you have to give the time to passing something on. And um, so a lot of what I do with clients is, is looking at there's one person doing the role now, which often is the business owner with, with some of this work, customer service, marketing, um, HR. Um, and then um, them sort of saying, okay, I don't have time to do this anymore. I'm not giving it dedication. I either hire someone in or I pass it over to someone in my team. And being able to have that consistency of one or two people doing the same activity and that communication between two people. If you give it to one person, the control of it, everything kind of works really well. But what do you do when you're saying, well, there's one person doing it. I now need to share that out amongst more than one person. Or... Um, I'm delegating a very important job that I'm doing as business owner to someone and customer service is often um, that role of, of, of just making sure everyone's happy. And um, a lot of the time what I do is I, I sort of split the personality of the person doing the role and why they do it so well and what the actual activities are that they need to, to think about. Because again, going back to your point is of people being able to bring themselves to work. You can't, unless you can get cookie cutter people, they're all the same to do the task. There are going to be differences and there's going to be different approaches. So there's a lot of um, time I'm sitting with the leader going, okay, it's not about how they're doing it. It's about what the outcome is. So you need to understand that this is what you're doing now and how you do it. And it works for you and you like it that way. But what you're aiming for is the outcome. So if we pass this to someone else, A, they need to understand what it is you want from it. B, they don't need to know how to do it in the minutiae. You need to kind of trust them that they'll do it their own way. But you also need to know how you're measuring them along the way, how you're training them up and the time that you're spending with them to pass that on. And a lot of people just kind of go, oh, just go and do it. And they just assume that the knowledge that's in their head other people, you know, that shared like, well, doesn't everyone think that way? And it doesn't work. And so it's really kind of breaking that down. But in the end, it's not the list, the checklist of how to do something. It's what's your outcome? Because this person may do it differently. They may do it better. They may do it quicker because they're doing it in a new way. They're not doing it your way. And they may find shortcuts. And so a lot of the delegations, um, I worked with a leadership team recently no one really knew what they were responsible for. You know, everyone kind of had a job title and that job title was, you know, well, I'm responsible for sales and I'm responsible for operations. Like, but what does that actually mean for your organization and the people that are in it? 
And so I spent quite a bit of time going, okay, who is responsible for these particular things? How are you measuring them? And it sounds really onerous, but after two hours of a group call and two or three hours with each individual saying, what do you understand your role to be? You know, and, and half a day of writing the responsibilities. Everyone's like, oh, brilliant. I know what I'm doing now. And, and you just see the shoulders go, oh. I know what I'm doing. I know what the leader expects of me and therefore I can deliver. And the leader knows I know what I'm measuring. So I know whether they're delivering it or not. And we have the check-ins and the management meetings have some metrics to look at and people have answers. And it is amazing how much we just going back to use a manual, how much we just go, Oh, well, I should know this. I assume this, I should know it all. It's like, well, why would you know it all? When have you had the conversation to get the answers? And I think that's the thing is a lot of job descriptions, don't describe the jobs and there's a lot of assumptions um, and again going back to, to your point is when you're remote these dysfunctions become a lot bigger and a, a lot uh, more obvious than in person because you can have those small little conversations those little tuck away conversations but when you're getting on a call with someone you don't want to intentionally go actually what is it you do what is it you want you feel like you're asking a stupid question um, and so I think really is is even just the leader going, okay, what am I responsible for here? And what are my team responsible for here? Having that documented in even just a small form and measured makes a massive difference to people's comfort levels to know that they are delivering on something. They have their alignment to the rest of the organization. Yeah, and it goes 100% back to what one of the things you said earlier that I say all the time, which is no one shows up to work. I mean, no one wakes up in the morning and says, I want to go do a bad job today. Like I've never, met a, I've never met a human being that does that, right? But yeah, I 100% agree. I, th I think delegation is probably also the biggest thing for, for my clients. And uh, it, it's, it's both the responsibility, I think. And, and I, I think it's also like one thing that's often the, big thing and particularly for entrepreneurs that build the business from the ground up is that it's very hard for them to put their themselves in the mind of someone who knows less than they do. They understand because uh, they expect because they know something, everyone must know it. Right. And everyone must understand it the same way. But for me, one of the biggest thing when you're, when you're working with people is always asking them questions to try and understand how do they understand this situation? How do they understand? Like if they're making a choice, it's not because they wanted to do a bad choice. Like they're not purposely saying, oh, this is a stupid decision. Let me take it, right? Uh, but, but it's always the other way around. They're, they're, they're doing things from their perspective that make sense. So if they're making what you would call bad choices, it's based on their understanding. So asking them questions to try and understand how they look at the world, how they look at the business and so on. Doing that regularly is super, super helpful to help both educate people more and, and help them understand more. And the worst thing is when people have misunderstandings and that could be about the responsibilities, but it could also be, you know, like how's the business making money? Like sometimes I, I go into a business and, you know, they're, maybe if you talk with customer service, you know, they're like, oh, we should give this guy a refund because he's unhappy. And you're like, ooh, I'm pretty sure the management team wouldn't want that to happen. Uh, but, but it's so clear misalignment in terms of people understanding the business well enough to make the best possible choices, right? Absolutely. And I think that's it. It's like the, having the decision-making 
sort of framework around like you can make decisions in this bucket but if you go beyond that you have to get approval and and, and almost having that again sort of that roles and responsibilities is you're responsible for this and within this box you're welcome to make any decisions that are right that you feel certainly with customer service but if you hit this marker you have to go up and then and it goes up a chain of decision making depending on how big it is and a lot of people even they, as you say, they don't have that framework to, to, to know what decisions they're allowed to make and what they're not. Um, and it all comes down to alignment. I mean, the same thing is so much assumption. And, and actually, it sounds really sort of annoying to document things or write things down. But even just a statement, you know, above a, this is what we're aiming for, this is what we're doing, and having that regular communication with the teams to know, okay, this is what we're going for, and reiterate it, reiterate it, reiterate it, so people fully aware. You can never repeat it enough, I think, um, about what other, this is about. The other big benefit with that is, is specifically that often business owners forget Right. Like often they give people task or responsibility and, you know, they, they forget about it. And the benefit with writing things down is the fact that, you know, it's in paper uh, and it makes it a lot, lot harder to forget it if it's written down. So yeah. Absolutely. Document everything just in case you get run over by a bus is my, my approach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it, I mean, when it's a super small company, right, if you have a couple of employees, it, it's maybe more difficult to do but but definitely as you grow right like you you definitely want to document as much as possible both because i mean sometimes people leave a business and the, they always the universal law says they always leave at the worst possible time so you have to be prepared for that as a business owner right and and the more documentation the better documentation you have uh, the better off you are and what, one of my key things is I always try and, you know, in a lot of businesses, the business owner is trying to draft the processes and trying to tell people what to do. But I'm always keen on making sure that it's the person doing the job who's building the process because they're, so the, only ones that, they're the only ones that know it. They're the only ones that have the time to keep it up to date because the business owner trying to keep 500 processes in the business up to date. Yeah, good luck, right? <laughs> Um, Absolutely. I mean, it's exactly yeah. it. It's, it's if you come in and go, right, do it this way. They're like, who the hell are you? I'm the expert here. Um, one of the things I quite like with documentation as well is using it as an onboarding and training tool. Because I think with small businesses, you do have a risk. You have few people who know. And if someone leaves, that's like 30 or 40% of your knowledge gone out the door. So it can be quite expensive. And so having someone document it and then go, right, you're new. Watch me his document, read this through, watch me, and then correct it where I've changed something. And it's a really nice way for people to kind of go, hang on, you in the document, you've done this. Oh, yeah, yeah we changed it. Right. And so the new person has to rewrite the documentation based on what they see. And they ask questions, why are you doing it this way? And I think it's just, and that, that, that knowledge management passes on. And you've got a documentation and an onboarding document pretty much done written by the experts who are doing the job and um so it doesn't again have to be too onerous it's the first writing of it that's the <laughs> that's the big effort but once you've got something it evolves and i think knowledge management is is one of those challenges that i don't think anyone's really answered very well even yeah, now definitely and and there's a lot of tools out there right i mean we honestly we we tend to default to using google google drive and things like that just because it's so easy for everyone to access it, it it's simple and straightforward right but i mean there is a ton of tools like a uh, ton of process tools and so on but the the key thing just like with project management tools i always say the same thing it's not about having it 
It's about keeping it up to date. Like it's great you have a project management tool, but if no one puts in or 20% of your team uses it, it's absolutely useless, right? And, and processes are the same. So what, one, of my key, one of my key things is I always make sure that, um, you know, the processes get, get checked every three months. So basically that's one person who has the responsibility in the company to make sure all the processes have been at least ticked off as having been updated. Uh, and basically that person generally goes around to everyone that's responsible for a process and say, have you updated this quarter? And, you know, usually there's a lot of last updated date and stuff. So basically that way, you know, you, you always try and remind people and make sure that it, it doesn't go years out of date. Absolutely. And I think, as you say, it's like processes and tools are only as good as the people that use them. And if they're onerous and horrible, people won't use them. So there's no point. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, and that's why going back to your point of people who write the process are the people that use it because they know what they're doing every single day. If you put a process on top of them, they'll be like, I'm not, you know, they'll still bypass it. <laughs> they'll have it written up nicely and go, yeah, yeah, we follow that. And you're like, but you're not following that process. So it becomes redundant very quickly. Yeah. And I think that the last thing on, on the process that I've found is very important is that one person own a process. Don't give it to a team because if more than one person is responsible, no one's responsible. So always pick one person. And if you have like, for example, if you have a bigger customer service team, like you can take different, like you could take one process gift to one person, take a different process gift to another person. That's okay. Uh, and, and again, that, that helps collaboration, right? Because people are, it's not just like they can go away and change it without telling the team. Like they have to make sure with the team that everything's okay and the stuff that it works and so on. And, and normally they still need a sign off from their manager when they're making changes. Right. But that's, that's definitely the best way to sort of keep things up to date and, and make sure it's, it's continuously updatable. So. Absolutely. Totally. Excellent. Well, Shalane, there've been an amazing chat so far. Thank you very much for joining in. Just before we finish, any sort of last uh, resources or something that you would love to share with people? Anything that have been particularly valuable to your management development and the likes? Um, so I think I definitely use a manual. Uh, as I say, you can go and, and find lots of examples. And, and I have an example on my LinkedIn page. So, you know, uh, use and abuse it if, if, if people are interested. Um, uh I suppose for me, one of the best books I've um, read recently is The Nine Lies of Work by Marcus Buckingham. Yeah. Um, and really the importance of a team and the team leader in any area of business. A lot of teams um, go back to people will do things for the people they like, which generally is the team. So people who like each, like each other and work together, um, they become kind of friends of some form. And so most of the effort that you put in will be because you you care about your team members. So that, that's the one I think um, I would recommend. And then the, the last one, which um, I really love, is, is a book called The End of Average by Todd Rose. And it really looks at um, how the world kind of tries to put everyone in a box. And actually, you will do better by being yourself and playing to your strengths, um, similar to what you said at the beginning. And, and I think it just it gave me a bit of comfort that you can actually get on in the world without having all the stars and, and badges that a lot of people who are, um, you know, like Elon Musk, who are raised up as success um, models. But actually, in the real world, um, it's the people on the ground doing the, the normal 
um, boring things but being themselves that, that make a big difference so those are things that have certainly helped me in in the recent time awesome yeah i'm i'd say marcus buckingham is probably my favorite author he, he wrote the book called first break all the rules which is probably my favorite book uh, around management and uh, yeah it was a couple of great resources it's not ones i've heard a lot about before so thank you very much for that if uh, if people are desperate to get hold of you Jelaine, and sort of hear more about your company or yourself what's the best way for them to do so so website is www.brilliantandhuman.com um i'm on linkedin uh, spell my name correctly. I'm the only one on the internet with that name. Um, I'll make sure we link to that. <laughs> uh, it's not that hard to find me. Um, though, yeah, those two places. I'm not on any other social media, so they're the best places to find me. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time. It was a pleasure to talk to you. And for all of the audience, we'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.